Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the Central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. What's good, Fizz Nation? It's another edition of Fizz Radio. Jonathan Hoppy and Gil Gross with you here on the Score 1260. A lot to break down as usual. We've got some football players drafted. Well, just one, and that's Chris Slayton. But we just got some news about Eric Dungy. The Tyus battle debate is going on. He did not receive an invite to the Combine. There is a lot to get into. But before we get going, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Orange Fizz. You can find us on Facebook at Orange Fizz as well. SoundCloud is where you can listen to all of our FizzCast and the full versions with no commercials of these Fizz Radio episodes. What you're hearing right now on the Score 1260, that's every week from 9 to 10 a.m. in Syracuse. So, Gil, first off, great to be back with you. The weather starting to get better. No SU basketball for about a month now, no football. However, spring practice is wrapping up, so you can start to feel that anticipation build a little bit. You can, and it's coming, obviously, sooner than than in most years with that big matchup, the first home game of the year uh, at Clemson, which is probably the most anticipated matchup that Syracuse football has had maybe since 2000, the early 2000s for sure. And before we get to that matchup, there's a lot to be excited about with this Syracuse senior class. And we just found out with the draft, Eric Dungy signs with the Giants as an undrafted free agent. Now, it took him a little bit. Usually, right after the draft ends, guys get snagged up, right? Well, Dungy, it took about three to four days, and there were some reports coming out. Nate Mink of Syracuse.com, he covers the team. He had spoken to someone with the Dungy camp, might have spoken to Dungy himself. Not really sure, but what he did say was he's being patient. And it looks like that patience has finally paid off, and he's landing with the home state team here in Central New York, the football Giants. Yeah, I mean... He probably what if you read into that, it probably means that there were offers on the table and he probably took a risk in waiting for the best one. Now, this is speculation. Uh, Maybe there wasn't the kind of demand that that we all expected that there would be for Eric Dungy. But in all likelihood, he probably had a list of teams and a list of situations that he thought he had the best chance of stepping into and being successful in and the and. The Giants evidently were on that list. And something to think about, too, Gil, is the two-day minicamp that the rookies go to. Dungy's expected to attend, and in fact, he's doing that right now. It was on Friday, the first day, and then today, Saturday, that's the second day. So you turn around literally a day after you officially sign as an undrafted free agent, and you're out on the field for rookie minicamp. And what an interesting time for the Giants and their situation, because... They drafted Daniel Jones with the seventh pick, and that's that's a pick that's under a lot of scrutiny. So the quarterback position has a microscope on it right now. Eli Manning is getting up there. He has not performed like Giants fans have you know got used to throughout most of his career. Right now he's on the decline, and it's probably only a few years left. Who knows? This, this year coming up could be the last year for Eli Manning with the G-Men. So... Let's not get ahead of ourselves with Dungy, but it's certainly an organization that is going to have a quarterback change in the near future. That's right, and when you select Daniel Jones in the first round with a top-ten pick out of the ACC, 
never played Syracuse at Duke. Those two meet for the first time this upcoming season as members of the ACC. And then you also look at a guy like Eric Dungy, and you mentioned it, things are changing now with Eli Manning, and many speculated that he might be cut this offseason. Dave Gettleman has a track record of cutting star players, so to speak. And Eli Manning fits that mold, but no, Gettleman has backed Manning, saying that he's the quarterback for the next few seasons. But it's interesting when you draft a guy like Daniel Jones, who you don't expect to be ready to start right away, certainly. He's got all the tools. But then you bring in Eric Dungy, and and this is just sort of a formality for me. You know, this obviously has nothing to do with the chances that he's going to make a 53-man roster. That's a whole separate conversation. But it is good for Dungy that he's getting a chance to prove himself. Yeah, and with Jones and the Mannings, I think it's important to 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 note that Daniel Jones trained at the same camps with the Mannings, that the Mannings backed Daniel Jones, and they were the ones that really got him drafted, according to a lot of insiders. So there's a relationship there, and they back Mann- Do you buy into that, though, to tangent off to the New York Giants? Do you think that the Manning connection and the football camps and all that, and even Coach Cutcliffe, who coached both Eli right. and Peyton, do you think that has something to do with it? Well, every move that this front office seems to make aligns with what Eli Manning wants. I mean, there were, there's been some speculation even about the Odell Beckham trade and what Eli Manning could have had to do with that. So they, they value this relationship with the Mannings. The Gettleman values his relationship with the Mannings. He is royalty in New York. He's won two Super Bowls there. And, it, and let's it, be clear, not, you're talking about Eli, not Dave. Dave Gettleman, who is not royalty right now. Oh, Dave Gettleman is not royalty. No. <laughs> <laughs> he he's he'll be on the hot seat if the Giants don't perform this year. But you know, bringing it back, yeah, I I would say that right now Eli Manning is kind of an untouchable, and he'll hang up the cleats when he wants to. And it looks like Gettleman will let him do that on his terms. So, what do you think the chances that? Eric Dungy makes the 53-man roster for the Giants are. My take on this is it's going to be about how creative a team wants to get because Eric Dungy is not a guy I look at as someone who can play quarterback in the NFL in a traditional sense. He's not his his accuracy both vertically and horizontally on kind of medium distance passes and even short distance passes is really not where you need it to be for an NFL quarterback. I mean, he just quite simply does not put it on the money with enough consistency. With that being said, you look at what New Orleans is doing, and I I wrote a piece on this after the football season ended uh, just titled, Will Eric Dungy Play in the NFL?, You look at New Orleans with Sean Payton and what they've done with Taysom Hill, who has the size, the grit, the athleticism, and also the ability to throw the ball if he needs to, just like Eric Dungy has all of that. And they use him as a tool in creative offensive sets, and especially in the red zone, Taysom Hill has been unbelievable for that offense. If someone's willing to take Eric Dungy's skill set and get a little bit creative with it, that's where maybe he'll have a place in the league, but not as a traditional quarterback. We'll have to wait and find out for Eric Dungy, but certainly this good news for him. He's the second Orange to go to the Giants in the past week. Chris Slayton, the 31st pick in the seventh round, almost Mr. Irrelevant, number 245 overall, 
going in the draft. So Chris Slayton continues SU's rich tradition in having players drafted to the NFL. But I wrote a piece about this. The production has really, really fallen off. You're talking about three of the past four years, seventh-round picks. It's been five years since SU's had a player picked before the seventh round. It's a little bit alarming, but at the same time, I think that's about to end really soon. You look at some of the young players that Syracuse has, uh, for example, in its secondary. A guy like Andre Sisco. I think based on his trajectory, what he did last year, and now he looks even bigger coming in this year, a guy like Andre Sisco is going to end that streak, and he's going to make you forget real fast. And then remember when you're talking about Dino Babers, he hasn't had that many recruiting classes to work with. So you're really looking at more of a Scott Schaefer problem if, if you're talking about right now who's getting drafted. And I think, too, Gail, it goes to show just how much recruiting classes mean. Because if you don't get good recruits in, it's going to take a while. And it also gets to show you that it is going to take a while. Because Dino Babers can't just come in here, sure, you pick up a 10-win season, that'll help, but there's still work to be done. You mentioned Andre Sisco. We'll talk about him coming up later in the show when we discuss the CUSE Awards that took place on campus where they honor all the athletes at SU. But then you also look at a guy like Kendall Coleman or Alton Robinson, two players, two of the premier prospects in the entire ACC. So they're going to change that as well. This takes a while, but you're starting to see the kind of guys that Dino Babers has, and they're going to be big-time players in the NFL. That's a good point. I almost said it. I stopped myself because there's still a year of football to be played. But if those guys make any tangible improvements, as long as probably if, as long as they don't go backwards – They'll also be players as premier rushers in the pass rushers in the ACC, as you said, that will go before the seventh round. Yeah, those are two guys that you've got to keep an eye on this season, and they have certainly caught the attention of scouts all around the country because SU, one of the top teams in terms of sacks last season, that's really where the defense made its bread and butter. Pressure on the quarterback, which allowed them to sort of hide the flaws with the linebackers and sometimes at the cornerback position. That'll have to be the same this year with more inexperience at the linebacker position. Yeah, there's no doubt. That linebacker position, losing Ryan Guthrie, losing Kylan Whitner, that'll be the position that is the most worrisome for Syracuse. And they do have two four-star freshmen coming in, Lee Koba and Michael Jones. They, they're early enrollees, so they're on campus already. That's a good sign. But when it comes to freshmen starting on defense in the ACC, you never know if they're going to be quite ready. So it'll be, a, it'll be an interesting position to see if the young guns are ready or not or if guys like Andrew Armstrong need to step up. Now let's take a step back from this and check out where some of the other guys went in the NFL. Dungy, of course, to the Giants. Coda Martin, undrafted free agent with the Chargers. All these guys, undrafted free agents. And then you go down the list. Cody Conway with Tennessee. Dante Strickland with the Arizona Cardinals. Other players with potential. We have not seen Ravian Pierce's name called in any way. We have not seen Kylan Whitner, Ryan Guthrie. So keeping an eye out for those guys and wishing the best for them, but there is a lot of potential in this class, and it certainly feels like you're starting to feel it turn a little bit as all these prospects come in under Dino Babers, and, and I do expect it to change. I mean, it's not going to be a seventh round is your first pick. That That's going to change starting next year. Yeah, I think those two defensive linemen, I think Robinson and Coleman are pretty much a sure bet, but then who knows who else will step up. All right, we're coming up on our first break, but when we come back, 
Deep dive on the Cuse Awards. And spoiler alert, we'll be talking more about that guy, Andre Sisko. Stick with us here on The Score 1260. Back here on Fizz Radio, Jonathan Hoppy with Gil Gross. We've got you till 10 o'clock this morning. Thanks so much for joining us on this Saturday here in Syracuse. And there's a lot to get to staying with football before we get to basketball later in the show. The Cuse Awards were held this past week at Syracuse University. Pretty cool moment, Gil. That's when all the athletes come together and they recognize what all the other teams did because there's not really much opportunity for them to follow the other teams because they're so busy with what they're doing. Unless it's a football game or something like that, they don't really know. So let's go through some of these awards and kind of break them down. Rookie of the Year, they do a female athlete and a male athlete. Male athlete, Rookie of the Year, Andre Sisko. Pretty obvious choice, huh? That's right. I mean, first team all ACC. Cisco seemed to come up with a pick like every single game for Syracuse was simply exceptional from the safety position. Looking ahead to this season for Cisco, what are the realistic expectations for this guy? Because you're a big fan. How could you not be? He was excellent in his freshman season. Coming back as a sophomore, the book's out on him a little bit more. If you're a quarterback, maybe shy away from him, go in the direction of some other DBs for SU. How does he combat that? Well, the interceptions will probably be lower, and it's going to be important that he is able to internalize that not as, okay, well, I'm playing worse, but there's a level of luck involved in interceptions. There simply there simply is, and quarterbacks are going to be more aware of where he is on the field, and he's a guy who never drops the ball. He's got great hands, and that's step one, but step two is usually for a quarterback to make a mistake or maybe a quarterback to underestimate the kind of the, the range that you cover in the secondary. So Cisco's interceptions, interceptions will probably drop where he could have shown improvement and where I anticipate he will show improvement is in the run stopping and in his tackling ability where Dino Babers has already said he came in bigger and he has the length of a NFL safety. What he didn't have is the size of an NFL safety. Here's where we'll start to see him reap the benefits of that extra weight that he put on in the offseason. Yeah, I mean, this is a premier defensive back really in college football. And it's going to be fun to watch him play because there's going to be a lot of pressure on him to perform in the back of that Syracuse defense that a lot of people have questions about. But the good news is, and we talked about Coleman and Robinson at the top of the show, you've got those guys rushing the quarterback, and then you've got Cisco as the safety. Pretty good bookends on your defense. It's a good formula. And when you get pressure on the quarterback, it just makes everyone else look better. And this is a big year for Trill Williams, for him to try to make the leap. Ify Melifonwu showed a lot in his freshman season at times, especially in that North Carolina game where he was really the MVP of that game along with Tommy DeVito. So maybe he can step up in the secondary. And you do have guys back like Christopher Frederick. Frederick had a really good year last last season and not a lot of people talked about it. Very excited to see what Melifon Wu can do because I think we'll see a lot of him at nickel. Injuries kind of ruined his season last year. Hopefully for him, he'll be back fully healthy, ready to roll. Coach of the year, Dino Babers, that one pretty obvious. This is a guy who somehow led the Syracuse team to 10 wins, a win down at the Camping World Bowl, almost beat Clemson on the road. The only loss, I mean, you know, we, we know this, right? It's a broken record. You lose to Pitt in overtime. There's a lot to like about what Dino Babers has done in Syracuse. Somehow he's done it 
in such a short amount of time. It's really remarkable considering what we're talking about. What we're talking about is Chris Slayton, the only guy drafted. In, in the history, the past few years of only having one guy taken in the seventh round, and one year it was a punter, and then one year they didn't have anybody. So the, considering that, Babers has done an outstanding job. He promised big things as soon as he came here, and as a result, the pressure was on. When Syracuse dropped two straight to Pittsburgh and Clemson and was down against UNC, stuck at four wins again at that point, there was a lot and of no pressure. And no wins after the bye yet. Yep. There was a lot of pressure on Dino Babers. And for him to turn that ship around, him and the team, because obviously, you know, you, you got to give the players a ton of credit along with the coach. That was an incredible turnaround, an incredible run at the end of that season where they were they were so solid and they just they did they won every game that they were supposed to win and they picked up what you could call upset victories both in the Camping World Bowl against West Virginia and against NC State in the Dome. That's what makes this season so intriguing is what can the team do with a fresh slate? Because like you talked about in that North Carolina game, feels like a loss there would have pushed them back to sort of a mediocre, less-than-mediocre team. Instead, they win it, and they go on a run and reel off 10 wins in a single season, which no one saw possible coming up back in August of last year. That's what's exciting about this team. What happens now with the clean slate? Tommy DeVito, that's really the biggest question mark. I know about the linebackers, but does he step right into Dungy's role and perform at a high level? If he does, it really does feel like the sky's the limit. It does, and especially you look at the schedule, and that's where it's going to be interesting for Syracuse mentally. And how do they handle being the favorite? That's going to be a different feeling for them because there's really only three games on this schedule that SU won't be expected to win. And again, it's a good thing because you're playing weaker competition. It's a bad thing because for a young team expected to win in the ACC, that can be hard. The three games I'm referring to is Florida State, Clemson, and NC State. Those are the three tough games on the schedule. Other than that, you have weaker ACC teams. You have an incredibly weak non-conference slate. So to, to tell Tommy DeVito, hey, you're supposed to beat these guys. You're supposed to have an eight, nine, maybe seven win season. That's a lot of pressure. How are they going to handle that pressure? Going down the list here for the Cuse Awards, Dino Babers, we mentioned Coach of the Year, Football, the Team of the Year, and Eric Dungy, the Male Athlete of the Year. So, I mean, kind of what you expected, but this was certainly the best team on campus this year when you talk about pretty much you can say they were the best team just in terms of results, but then also getting above what they were expected to do. No one saw this coming, and they did it, and now they reap the rewards, you know, whatever rewards you get out of getting a CUSE award at Syracuse, but it's still a big deal because football is relevant. I tell you what, I was just driving down the other day. I was driving by Nottingham High School, and I saw just a little thing in somebody's yard that there's an SU football. It's a football. It might have been a birdhouse, and you saw the logo, just the football with the S on it. It's the same road where you have the SU basketball uh-huh. sort of up in the street light, so to speak. Yep. And that means something. I really think it does. You can definitely feel a shift in the excitement level for SU football. And I think it's it's the thing is is this was a program that was a national powerhouse 
in the 90s, early 2000s, when that is taken away from the community, well, it's just going to be that much more special when it comes back. And now now you're dealing with a similar thing. I want to make a comparison to, to lacrosse. They're, they've, they're on a national championship drought now. Now, different from football, they're, they're kind of always in the national conversation. But it would be kind of like if the lacrosse team returns to its full kind of capability of dominance that we saw you know, at, at different periods at the turn of the 21st century, right, or in the 2000s, kind of an awkward way to put it. <laughs> um, if they return there, well, it just it adds to it that the history, the ground blocks were already laid before them. So football, where do we set the expectations just in general as a program? What's the next step? Because we sit here and talk about one pick in the seventh round, mm-hmm. almost the last pick in the entire draft, almost did not have one this year. And then we talk about 10 wins being a complete anomaly. How do we look at this team? What can they do next? The draft is clear, right? You want to get good talent. You want to get four or five-star recruits, which right now is a reach. SU's mainly sitting at three stars. Four-star like Tommy DeVito, that's a big deal. So if you get more four stars than threes, I guess that's the next step and watch that translate. Agree. And then winning is probably, you know, competing for an ACC title. It's going to be tough with Dabo Sweeney locked up for the next decade and the guy getting paid a fortune and Clemson <laughs> a complete powerhouse in the Atlantic Division. But, you know, you do what you can and maybe you sneak your way into an Orange Bowl this year, next year, whatever. The goal is that 2018 doesn't look like an outlier. I mean, that that needs to be the goal this season. They don't need to necessarily win 10 games again. They do have a first-year quarterback. This is a young team. So the expectations need to be managed in that respect. What can't happen is they just can't go back to four or five wins. Otherwise, it's going to be okay. Well, 2018 was fool's gold. And as long as they can keep the community engaged, um, and the way they do that is to make sure that 2018 doesn't look like fool's gold— that would be a successful season, and it would set Syracuse up for the year after. So the football offseason winding down, boo-hoo, right? You get the spring game over with, you get the draft, some of these decisions with these undrafted free agents. Now it's really a waiting game. So if you want to hear more about our expectations for the upcoming season, make sure to check us out on SoundCloud at Orange Fizz. That's where we will post a ton of stuff, getting you ready for the upcoming football season. And then when the team reports in July, we'll be all over at them too. But it's enough for football right now. We're talking basketball on the other side. Tyus Battle not invited to the Combine. We'll tell you why coming up right after this. A little bit over halfway done here on Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. Saturday morning in Syracuse, Jonathan Hoppy along with Gil Gross for this edition of Fizz Radio. If you missed any part of the show, don't forget to follow us on SoundCloud at Orange Fizz. You can also get us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. It'll pop up automatically, and you can listen to the entire show without any commercials. Gil, let's talk about Tyus Battle. Not invited to the NBA Combine. It just to sort of set the table here, let's get a couple tweets from some local media personalities. We'll start with Brent Axe. He says, turns out Tyus may have hurt his draft stock. It's a shame to say becoming back hurt him, but the guy was a leader and a true student athlete. Reality is he was slated to go 40 to 50 range last year, may not get picked this year. And I sort of summarized that tweet that's at Brent Axe Media, doing a great job on ESPN Syracuse and Syracuse.com. Then Mike Waters come back, comes back, 
who covers the team. We know he's covered the team for 40 years, so Mike knows what he's talking about. He says, don't think Battle was in the 40-50 range last year. Despite what a few mock drafts might say, if he was 40-50, he would have stayed in the draft. I don't believe his performance this past year hurt his stock. So there are the two camps. Which side are you on? <laughs> I, I, I agree with Brent Axe, and I'm, I'm surprised to hear that from, uh, from Mike Waters because nothing hurts your draft stock like age. Like We see players in the NCAA, seniors, performing a lot better than freshmen, and that means nothing to NBA teams. If you want to get drafted high as an upperclassman, you better be flat-out dominating. You better be out there looking like Frank Kaminsky with Wisconsin. I mean, it is not—NBA teams do not want to draft juniors or seniors unless they are showing that they can be a force immediately. And Tyus Battle comes back for his junior season and arguably doesn't get any better. And that is a huge red flag— and I don't think anyone can really be surprised that teams are down on Tyus Battle because if you come back for your junior season, well, you better be a whole lot better. And guess what? You better dominate. So this is good. We did not talk about this before we came on. I agree with Mike Waters. Not only do I believe his intel, but this is a guy, Battle, who is just really not cut out for the NBA. And I think that's the bottom line. When you look at his size, he's got okay size, but he's sort of a smaller guard, sort of a tweener because he can't shoot from the outside. I'm not sure if he can create his own bucket as easily as he can in college in the NFL. And there's a debate out there. I was talking to somebody the other day. They said they'd rather have John Gillen as a pro prospect because he can just put in numbers. He's scoring, what, 40 points a game? Not actually, but he's putting up big numbers in the G League. Mm-hmm. So it just I just don't think battle translates. And I think if he was 40-50 range last year, I think he would have gone. I really do. Why would you come back if you're guaranteed to be drafted? Because he came back, slightly improved his percentages. Some of his per-game numbers went down. But I just think he would have gone. Instead, he comes back and... He comes back because he was trying to get drafted and just didn't do enough. I mean, the bottom line is the guy's just not really an NBA-level prospect to be drafted. Well, the assumption that if Battle was going to go 40-50, he would have come back, I mean, I don't I don't think that's a fair assumption at all. Because... I don't think it's an assumption. First off, I think Mike has people telling him that. I would say that that's probably what is happening. If Mike's going to come out and say that, Pretty sure he's probably got some back. Didn't he say, I don't think? He said if he was 40-50, he would have stayed in the draft. That's a pretty firm okay. statement from at Mike it is Waters. A, it is S-Y-R. a firm statement. We, we know, <laughs> we know Tyus's, Tyus's father loves to talk, Gary Battle. Um, normally, though, it would be talking up his son, not exactly you know, giving Mike Waters intel that he wasn't in the in the top 60 for NBA teams last year. But if, if you're late second round, not only are you not guaranteed a contract, you're probably going to the G League, and if you're Tyus Battle and you think you belong in the NBA, maybe you feel like, well, you can go back to college and then land yourself in a high enough pick where you get that guaranteed contract, you don't have to negotiate it, you're getting more money, and you're going straight to the NBA. If you have a, a positive outlook on your trajectory as a player, then that could have been Tyus Battle. At the same time, I understand where you're coming from, where you know Mike Waters is a, is a true journalist who uh, 
is not going to make firm statements like that without some sourcing. And even if it is speculation, which I don't think it is, but at the same time, I just don't think I, I just don't think this year hurt him. It didn't help him. He's older. It, we'll find, we may never know if this year helped him or not. Because if it helps him, that means he's going to be taken in the second round. If he's taken in the second round at a decent spot, really at all, you can say, okay, it may have helped him a little bit. All the mocks had him, some of them had him in the 20s, some of them had him early second round. So the claim that battle wasn't Keep in the in draft mind, last year. a lot year, of these mock drafts are just complete jokes. I, I know, but, but you're, you're telling me that all of them were way off. And I don't really feel like that happens that often. So if Tyus Battle was given intel last year that he's a mo- he's a fringe first round pick, you think he's not coming back? If well, I think that he was told that he's early second, and I and sure, I think there are a lot of players who are told, look, you have an opportunity, especially because because Battle was on track to get his degree after his junior year, which he said was important to him. Uh, I don't know, you know, you can believe him on on that or you cannot, but. If you're going in the second round and you think you can be a first rounder, I mean that there is legitimate reason to go back to college and try to make that leap, for, you know, with a team that I believe Battle thought was going to compete for a national championship, and it just didn't happen. The sad reality is he's probably not going to get drafted this year. He probably was not going to get drafted last year, and that's just kind of where I'm at with that because I don't see his projections. At quite as high as you do. Well, I don't know and if I see them here, high. We could sit here just, all, all day look, and do this. last year, I'm talking about last year, I, I cannot buy that every single mock draft was that far off. I can't imagine a scenario where everyone was that I far off. I didn't see every mock draft with him as a first-round pick. I didn't either, but I saw every mock draft with him in the top 40. Hmm. Interesting. I don't really remember it that way. I'll have to go and brush up my knowledge maybe, but we'll have to check that out. O'Shea Brissett, though, I'm not sure if he's going to stay. I feel like people are just assuming that O'Shea Brissett is coming back. He's staying. I mean, this is, again, he took a step backwards. He he was lost out there this season. He didn't have sharp decision-making. He didn't show, he didn't display his talents. He didn't show what he can do. I don't think he's going to get drafted. I don't think he would get drafted. If I don't he think he's going to get drafted. Don't get me wrong, but I think he might pursue opportunities elsewhere. Maybe he wants to go play ball and overseas somewhere. I don't know. It's just why do this if you know for sure, right? Because that's the answer is a guy like O'Shea Brissett, oh, yeah, he's coming back, right? Well, why is he even doing what he's doing? Why is he taking the time to to figure some stuff out? I guess he's exercising something that has become more popular and is great for the players. But I I don't know, man. You can learn about your game. You can get feedback. If O'Shea Brissett's not on this roster next year, how shocked are you? I'm really shocked because you're going – O'Shea would have pretty much no chance of getting drafted. Would I be shocked if O'Shea Brissett went into the draft? Oh, he's got no chance of getting drafted. Right, he wouldn't get drafted. Would I be shocked if O'Shea's like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go play in in China or, or Europe. Just leave Syracuse to go clearly play overseas where he has no chance of getting drafted. That wouldn't shock you. I mean, you never know. I, I'm just telling you, man. I could see a situation where O'Shea Brissett is not back. Tyus Battle, he is not invited to the NBA Draft Combine. 
that doesn't change too much. I mean, it's it's tough because they're telling you right there that they don't really think you're that high level of a prospect. Now, here's something else, though. He was invited last year. So that goes against the, the notion, once again, that this season, this last season he had for SU, didn't hurt him. Battle was invited to the to the combine last year. You can't just come back to college and not be any better and that not hurt you. Certainly, Battle's a guy that everybody knows. I mean, there's there's no scout in the world that's like, hey, who's that Battle guy in Syracuse? Everybody knows who he is. Okay, so maybe at this point, that's probably why he's not invited back to the draft is because or the combine is because everyone knows about Tyus Battle. They know what he can do. It just seems like at this point, it's kind of a old topic at this point. Tyus Battle is it's almost like it's almost like you were get rejected by a girlfriend. And then a year later, you're in pursuit still. And she doesn't. She knows what you're about. <laughs> um, I kind of I agree with that, but again, that's because said boyfriend. You don't need to go on a date. Look, she, so, she knows. Said, right. Well, that's if said boyfriend doesn't show you anything different a year from then. But if if he comes back and you know he can cook. And he can do other can things. Can he clean too? Right. He can <laughs> clean. Maybe he started cleaning. Maybe he's got a new haircut. He's got better fashion. Well, now we're talking. But you've right? been talking so, so to him for a year now, and you can see I know. That he well, doesn't that's have better Battle. fashion. I mean, well, that's because Battle. It's the same. Right. Because that's, be, that's, that's what happened when he came back this year and his outside shot, which he worked on the entire offseason with Drew Hanlon in Los Angeles, when it. When it didn't get any better, when he wasn't shooting the three better, when he didn't improve his range this year, that's where the problems arose. That's where his draft stock went down. If he went last year, he was getting drafted. I don't think we're meeting in the middle on this one. Really? You won't even give me, like, 55th overall? There's no middle ground here. No middle. You say it hurt him. I say, eh. I don't think so. I think we're sitting in the same situation that we would have been last year as people watching Tyus battle. That's it for that, though. O'Shea Brissett probably will come back, but you never know. We'll wrap things up here on Fizz Radio next on The Score 1260. Closing up shop here on Fizz Radio, Jonathan Hoppy and Gil Gross taking you up till 10 o'clock this morning. Thanks for joining us here in Syracuse on the score 1260. And Gil, let's finish big picture here, talk a little college football. First off, Dino Babers, have you seen the graphic that was tweeted out that said that his contract runs through 2024, taken down, and then says long term? It was an SU staffer that tweeted it out. It was taken down. I don't know why people were making such a big deal out of that. The length of the contract, I think people assumed it was like a four- to six-year extension, right? Yeah, I, I would say that, that that would be standard. And generally, coaches don't want to test free agency or anything like that. So, Well, generally, I mean, coaches have all the power when it comes right. to college football. They can yeah. just go wherever they want. <laughs> exactly. So, so he can leave if he wants. Syracuse can extend him before that contract is up. You're right. The length of the contract is not too significant. The way that it came out is totally amusing, though, and um, I think that that was that was worth all the the ruckus. Right, and it's one of those things too that oh, it comes out, it's a mistake, but you know, no one was 
you know, turning heads over that. It's just, okay, 20, whatever, haha. Our policy says that we don't publish this kind of stuff, but here it is. It's just one of those things. Dabo Sweeney, his stuff came out, and we spoke about it a little bit earlier. Ten-year deal for him, highest paid coach ever in college sports. I mean, this guy's going to make a fortune. I don't even know what the annual, it's over $10 million, right? I mean, it's Mm -hmm. a... It's a lucrative deal. You always hear that buzzword, lucrative. What does that mean for Syracuse moving forward? Because you've got this Dabo Sweeney guy, you play him every year, and he's got himself a powerhouse down in South Carolina. Well, it's a problem, and this is kind of the problem that I'll say it's not sexy, so people don't want to talk about it, but funding plays a huge role in college sports and college football. And this is an area where Syracuse's football program needs to get a lot better. No one spends more than Florida State, Miami, and Clemson. And Syracuse, since 2003, is only spending about 70% more than they did in 2003, um, based on the latest data. The data's always a bit behind because of the way kind of the information laws work. It takes a bit. Right. It takes a bit for it to come out. Um, but the point is, since 2003, when Syracuse was in good shape, the funding hasn't risen like it's risen at a program like Duke. And that needs to get better. As long as teams are outspending Syracuse, they are going to continue to have more success than Syracuse. It's the wow factor, too. Okay, you renovate the dome. That's great. That's going to look good for recruits. It's going to look good for the program. But also the football complex on South Campus, it's not the flashiest thing in the world. And you're starting to see teams like Clemson. I was just at North Carolina a couple of weekends ago for a lacrosse game for Syracuse. And they've got a new complex. So Mac Brown, he's got new toys to play with. SU has pretty decent amenities. They've got an outdoor practice field. They've got an indoor practice field. But that's standard. When it comes to the ACC, that's just a must. That's the bare minimum. And just to be exact and to throw the the number out, uh, SU football is 50th in spending. Men's basketball, for comparison, is 6th in spending. And this is all according to a USA Today study from 2016-17. That's pretty telling. And I think once you get the interest grown in SU football, then you can start to pick that up. Because we are in the age of the spending is so important. Now, back when Paul Pascaloni was here and the team was doing pretty well, that wasn't really the root of things. But now you've got to impress these kids when they come to your school. Clemson has put a ton of money into its program, and it's seeing the rewards program like Alabama, that school is so totally committed to football. You mentioned it, Florida State, Miami. You think of most of these teams, even North Carolina, who's put in money, now has a new facility. They get four- and five-star recruits. I mean, they're just off that first tier of destinations in the ACC. So we'll see how the community responds now that football is gaining some momentum. And by the way, the ACC is behind the other conferences in spending and funding. And this is a, something really important to hammer. If you look at the top spenders in the country, Texas, A&M, Ohio State, Michigan, Bama, Georgia, Oklahoma, like these teams, ACC teams are nowhere to be seen. Florida State is the highest spender, and they're 13th in the country. Why? It's television deals. The SEC has a network. The Big Ten has a network. The ACC hasn't had a network They're getting a network now with the launch of the ACC Digital Network this summer, and that's going to be very important to bump up this this revenue. It's a new source of revenue. Yeah, that's right. The ACC Network going linear in September. 
Got to imagine the Orange are going to have a football game or two. We know that basketball game against Virginia to open SU season, that's going to be on the ACC network. But we'll have to see if the spending increases. And, Gil, i got to tell you, if they get another 10-win season, a potential Orange Bowl visit, that's really going to hype up the interest in this program. I think John Wildtack has shown a lot of interest in reviving this football program, and I think that's a good sign. There seems to be... There seems to be a, a stress on that, and especially with the contract extension that he just gave Dino Babers. I mean, there's there's your message that he is serious about keeping Babers around. This is a guy who he likes, who has delivered on his promises through three years at Syracuse, and John Wildhack wasn't going to play any games, wasn't going to let another team swoop in there and grab him. Another 10 win another 10 win season and you know some teams will come a calling. That's Gil Gross. I'm Jonathan Hoppy. Thanks for listening to the Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. We'll see you next weekend.